Hello and welcome to the Date Night Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Russell, and with me is my co-host, Ashley Russell. Hey! This is a show where each week, Ashley and I talk about a new movie that's playing in theaters, and we break down whether we thought it was good or bad, and whether or not it would make for a good date movie. On this episode, we're talking about Captain Marvel, the latest comic book adaptation from Marvel Studios. And it's first to center on a female lead. It stars Brie Larson and Samuel L. Jackson. The IMDb plot summary reads, Carol Danvers becomes one of the universe's most powerful heroes when Earth is caught in the middle of a galactic war between two alien races. This is the 21st movie in what's known as the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This is a series of films that started in 2008 with Iron Man and evolved into the Avengers and so forth. Uh, this movie has a 79% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is fresh. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's worth noting that literally every movie in the MCU has, fresh. has gotten <laughs> a fresh rating on Rotten mm-hmm. Tomatoes. So, I mean, take that, take that for what you will. And it opened this weekend to about $153 million, which, Wow. <laughs> you're telling me. Um, and I think... Worldwide, it's a record for a female-led film. The worldwide launch, I think, uh, close to half a billion. It's And it has uh, an A cinema score, so paying audiences dug it. Uh, so overall, it's safe to say that this is another uh, well-received Marvel hit. I mean, the Marvel train just keeps keeps on rolling. Yeah. Everything's coming up Marvel. <laughs> um they do it right. I mean, they do the visual effects right. The stories are, are pretty coherent, and I think people like it when they all fit together. Yeah, well, they're, I think, uh, so far, pretty much the only studio that's been successful in doing the shared universe mm-hmm. kind of thing, like the interlocking stories building to yeah. one. It's been imitated, uh, but a lot of studios have lost money trying to imitate that formula. Uh, it's, worth, it's worth mentioning, just in the lead-up to this movie... Uh, there was kind of a backlash that formed, uh, I guess, amongst uh, white dudes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this stems from uh, the star Brie Larson. And I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best to I guess kind of recap where this this backlash originated from. Last year, when Wrinkle in Time came out, she gave a speech on camera, uh, and she was quoted as saying, "Am I saying I hate white dudes? No, I'm not." But you make a movie that is a love letter to women of color, there is an insanely low chance a woman of color will have a chance to see your movie and review your movie. And again, she's talking about A Wrinkle in Time. That's a movie you and I saw. Um, it, that, which, which was, was not good. It was painful to watch. It was, well, it was panned by critics. And she goes on to say, I do not need a 40-year-old white dude to tell me what didn't work for him about A Wrinkle in Time. It wasn't made for him. I get that point, though. Which one? About Wrinkle in Time not being made for him? Yeah. Well... I mean, I, I understand that. Like, he... I mean, I wouldn't even say, like, Wrinkle in Time is made for adults. I mean, I think it's strictly for, like, kids. 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 So, uh, does that mean only kids should be writing reviews of it? I mean, I think she just... She wants to see more women reviewing movies. She wants to see more people of color reviewing movies. Let Less white dudes. She goes on to say, about a year ago, I started paying attention to what my press days look like and the critics reviewing movies and noticed it appeared to be overwhelmingly white male. It just took me using the power that I've been given now as Captain Marvel 
that comes with all these privileges and powers that make me feel uncomfortable because I don't really need them. It's a byproduct of the profession and a sign of the times. But any uncomfortableness I feel is balanced by the knowledge that it gives me the ability to advocate for myself and others. Huh? <laughs> I mean, this is what I'm talking about. People are talking out of their asses. They don't understand what they're saying. I mean, Brie Larson is talking about these movies, you know, and I get from a female perspective, but she kept going into, like, women of color, you know, people of color. She, she's a white ass. She's white. I mean, let's be real. Where is she coming from? I mean, I would never, I mean, I would advocate, obviously, but I would never pretend to know what it would be like or feel from a woman of color's perspective because I just don't have it. And, and for me, when you showed me that speech, I, I was on the terms of like, how would she know? I think her, her agenda here, she, she's tired of being written about by dudes. She wants more women, I think, just covering her, her movies and her, her interviews. I understand that, but nine sure. times out of ten, women are harder on other women. I mean, I, I'm in the right. business world, and my hardest meetings are with other female executives. Because yeah. they are hard on other females. Maybe she wants that, that harder perspective. I mean, who, who knows? I, I, don't know, I don't know what she's talking about. <laughs> to be honest, it feels a little misguided to me. Um, but I'm, I mean, I'm just a white dude, so to me, it's, it's kind of just laughable. It's it raises a red flag. Like, okay, you're talking about all this, but you're not talking about Captain Marvel, and why we should see Captain Marvel. Yeah, <laughs> I like mean, to me, that's a red flag. Like, how bad is this movie that you have to talk about everything else other than the movie? Yeah. What I guess what, what sort of irritates me is when I see quotes like, uh, you know, playing Captain Marvel is my form of activism. And, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, getting paid $15 million to It's not a form of activism. To be, I'm sorry. To be in a superhero movie, I mean, that's... that's, I, that's I, I would be a form career. of activism all day long. Pay me $15 million and I'll, I'll do it every day. I have to assume she's talking about donating her salary somewhere. And I don't think that's happening. I don't think that is either. That would be the only activism that would make sense to me. Like, I'm using this paycheck to give it to such and such cause, like to, you know, more, more women film critics society, whatever, whatever cause she, she cares about. There's a lot of female journalists co who cover movies, who review movies, who have uh, done very well for themselves. So it's, I guess her words, they seem to imply that there's some sort of uh, like boys club. Well, I, I guess boys club or um, like deliberate underrepresentation or you know people being passed over. I, I don't. But I don't think that's the case. I don't see it. I mean, I'm not in it. Again, I. See, I mean, I, I know, know a it. lot of women. A lot of women who cover the entertainment biz who are who are doing great. Actually, I'm honestly most of the people that I read and follow they're like women, female journalists. So yeah, that that doesn't really track for me. Um, but I mean, she, hey, she has her statistics. She read them off. <laughs> but what happened is those sentiments that she's voicing out, it triggered a lot of dudes. And I mean, dudes may just honestly, that's where they lose me. Like it's. I mean, people on Twitter need to get a life. Well, then these dudes kind of flooded Rotten Tomatoes. They downvoted it. I guess they left some bad comments, and this is before it even opened, so they haven't even seen the movie. 
that, that's where you lose. That Rotten Tomatoes allows that to happen. They stopped. Uh, they, I think they changed their policy. After yeah. This. They shut it down after they flooded yeah. with negative reviews. And I just, I mean, I just want to put a word out there. It's really hard to sync a theatrical movie online. Like, I mean, a movie is going to play and it's it, the only way to sync a movie that's in theaters is to not show up. A movie that plays to empty theaters will be gone real soon. Yeah. You, you can't torpedo a movie online. People have tried. It's really, really hard. I don't know how you would do it. It's kind of a futile gesture. And this movie, just show the movie, and you'll have plenty to, like... I mean, write about the movie based on merit and based on the fact that if it's good or not. Right. Um, versus bringing everything else into the mix. Well, I mean, that... if, if... Yeah. For me, like, everything else doesn't really matter. All that, I just want to be entertained. All that should matter. All this movie had to be... It didn't need to be, like... A flashpoint for feminism. It didn't need to be like a line in the sand between, you know, Democrats and Republicans, like feminists and Nazis or whoever. All it needed to be was good. Yeah. That's all it needed to be. And so when the movie succeeds at the box office like it did, then you see headlines like, uh, you know, Captain Marvel defeats the trolls. And again, this movie did not need to be politicized in any way. This no. movie, This movie cannot bear that burden. <laughs> this is a movie that needs to appeal to as many people as possible. And so you see that, I guess, happening more and more, where, like, major franchise movies are kind of becoming more overtly politicized and or used for think, political agendas. Yeah, I don't think it's, it's franchised. I think it's the actors and actresses that use their That's part of public it. forum That's part to of really portray their thoughts and, and feelings and, and that's all well and good. But more and but more the movies themselves. 50% of who you're talking to don't necessarily agree with you sure. and they're going to boycott your movies and then when you boycott your movies your career suffers and if you're okay with that then that's fine. Well, I, it's the irony is she kind of ragged on you know white men like for the last year or so and like 61% of the opening audience were dudes. Like that's the main audience for comic book movies, whether they're female fronted or not. It's dudes. They're the ones who are in the bag for it. They're yeah. usually the ones kind of taking their girls. Yeah. I mean, I'm generalizing. There's plenty of girls who are into superhero movies, plenty of women. Yeah, but they're, I mean, the comic book You weren't into it until franchise. I kinda, it's, it's mostly white dudes. Again, 61% of this yeah. weekend. I mean, the dudes show up. I, I mean, they they were pissed. You know, they downvoted on Rotten Tomatoes. But it, like, they showed they, up. They without them, tickets, yeah. Without them, this wouldn't have broken records yeah. like it did. So, yeah, from a business point of view, it, it seems very misguided. It, it, we're already so divided right now as a society. Like, movies... It's the one unifying it the, force. It is the a one good, unifying force. Here's what I feel like is getting lost in the conversation. A good movie, a good story that's well told, it transcends gender, yeah. it transcends race. It doesn't matter who's starring in it yeah. or who's behind the camera. A good story, like everyone wants to get in on that. But I understand, you know, having that inclusion, having, you know, more even playing field whereas in the past it's been mostly white men behind the scenes making all the decisions now slowly it's becoming you know women people of color you know people that have different experiences yeah. and different points of view all that which is great. makes movies amazing yeah 
you uh, you definitely need diversity. There's like absolutely. I mean, that whole push for yeah. diversity and inclusion. One hundred percent agree yeah, with absolutely. on that. But those elements in and of themselves don't make a movie good. No. And that's that's where kind of the line is starting yeah. to get blurred a little bit. And when you have this whole like it's you know the the feminist versus the trolls. It makes it harder to discuss whether or not there are actual issues with the movie. Yeah. Because it's like if you criticize them, it'd be like, oh, you're just you're just a flipping troll. Yeah. Uh, the same thing happened with the last, uh, you know, the last Jedi. Well, last Jedi, Wonder Woman. If you didn't like Wonder Woman, you most didn't, people you, loved you know. Wonder Woman though. I don't remember in the lead up and Wonder Woman's campaign. Like, oh, this is one for the girls and only the girls. I, I remember that because... Was that, it? Yes. Was that part of it? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Gal Gadot and the director. Who's the director? Patty Jenkins. Patty Jenkins well, went on tour together. Well, and I feel like that was the aftermath. No. That was the lead up? That, that was before. I mean... It, the movie you know. was definitely received as like a feminist statement, like a great feminist moment in culture. But anyways, okay, so we're talking about Captain Marvel. We're talking about <laughs> Captain Marvel, yes. And, was, and this movie was directed by uh, Ryan Fleck and Anna Bowden. Okay. Directing team. Uh, so this is the first Marvel movie that's co-directed by a woman. Okay. So it's breaking some ground there. Uh, these filmmakers, like most of Marvel's filmmakers, they're from the indie world, low-budget world. It showed. <laughs> I would I would argue it did. So yeah, I guess uh, you know. Let's just get into it. What what did you think overall? You know, without spoilers, what what did you think of Captain Marvel? I thought that uh, the story was was good. Um, I thought that I liked how it connected everything because it does. You, you do liked that. how it fit into like the overall timeline. Yeah, and um, it's a prequel. It's a prequel. It takes place in the nineties. Um, but it also connects. You know, the Guardians of the Galaxy really. Um, the first Guardians of the Galaxy, and with this, and you know, kind of that same timeline. Well, it gets into, I guess, some of the alien races, which is the Kree versus the Skrulls. Yeah. Right. And in the beginning of the film, Brie Larson's Captain Marvel. She's on the side of the. She's not Captain Marvel at this point. She's well, she's she's, she's Vers. She's Vers. Yeah. Right. <laughs> she's Vers, and she's on the side of the. Cree? She's on the side of the Cree. <laughs> like, yes. That was a 50-50 shot. Like, I have no clue. She was on the side of the Cree. She's on the side yeah. of the Cree. And that's uh, led by uh, Jude Law. Yeah. He's like her mentor. Yeah. He's sort of gaslighting he's her. <laughs> well, he's teaching her um, the ways of the Cree. You know, my the what didn't work for me in this movie was the special effects did not work for me at all. At the outset. I was laughing. Um, when she like became all glowy, and at the like, end? yeah, and her hair acted like she was underwater. At the outset, I just, I just laughed. I just couldn't earlier, do it. Earlier, when we were talking, you just said like Marvel always gets the visual effects right. I know they do. They don't. <laughs> Not in this movie. This is probably their worst movie that they've ever done. But basically, there's a, a war between the Kree and the Skrulls. Yeah. Why they, is there a war? Like, what's what's the beef? So the Skrulls are um, pretty much refugees. I mean, the Krees destroyed their planet, and they have nowhere else to go. But because they can impersonate, and they can change their skins to look like anybody else, they're a threat. Right, and you were, you were talking about the special effects. Yeah, and, it was not the, good. And the opening bit. 
And like earlier you said Marvel usually gets it right with the visual effects. They usually do, but not this time, not this movie. This movie was not it looked out terrible. of place it lo- it looked, in it the Marvel looked, Universe. It looked TV quality, and the makeup was really bad, I yes. thought. Makeup yes. was like 90s Star Trek TV show quality. It was really bad. And up on the big screen, we saw this on a Dolby screen. I mean, that whole opening scene is so murky and it, like just poorly lit and poorly choreographed. Clearly, like... It, and the, poorly cast. What, with uh, Brie Larson? Yeah, Brie Larson was not a good Captain Marvel, in my opinion. Right. I, I just think there, there, there's so many other women. Maybe an unknown could have done this. Um, that would have been, you know, really cool. An unknown would have been nice. Yeah. yeah. Because they had the star power around her. They had Jude Law. But, I mean, you could have had an unknown with the charisma. I mean, there, there's somebody out there. This is their job. What about this like, was Na- their... Natalie Dormer? She could, have been, she could have been Captain Marvel. I like Natalie Dormer. But it went to, it went to Brie Larson. And yeah, yeah, I guess let's talk about Brie Larson for a second. So, overall, you, you she didn't work for you. She did role. not. I, I just don't feel like she was the best choice uh, as Captain Marvel. It's a typical Marvel protagonist, a typical Marvel hero who's kind of quippy, kind of sarcastic. Yep. But this, but Brie Larson, like, she lacks empathy. She does. And she seemed like, um, like if Paris Hilton was a, a superhero, <laughs> like that. That's that's how lightweight and uncredible she was. She did have an attitude throughout this whole movie that I think was a little unwarranted. I felt like she was talking down yes. to Nick Fury yes. the entire time. Like, no, you don't do it like this. You do it like like that. Yes. And <sighs> I'm not a squirrel because squirrels don't do that. <laughs> you know. Yeah, but just kind of presumptuous. Um, just, yeah, kind of an attitude and just not not very likable. No. Marvel's usually done a pretty good job casting. Like Chris Hemsworth as Thor. Yes. Great. Fantastic. I like Paul Rudd as Ant-Man. Chris Pratt. Yeah, they've done Guardians a really... of the Galaxy. I mean, come on. Like, they've done amazing. Really, they've done a very good job. Black Panther. I mean... I agree. Up until, yeah, up until now, it's been pretty ace. With yes. The casting. And that's what's kind of kept me in the, in the game with the MCU because I don't love the visual effects always. It looks kind of cheap. It looks kind of rushed and shitty. I don't love the action because it lacks a clear, coherent point of view. The, the Their action scenes, it's part of the Marvel process where all the big set pieces are farmed out to second unit and to the visual effects companies. Well, and the directors I'm going to be, be honest, like, this movie was not done in Atlanta, and I think Atlanta has now got the best... Pinewood Studios is here. I mean, you have so many companies in, that are here. It's made in Los Angeles. Yeah, but Los, Los Angeles, Angeles has plenty of resources. Yeah, uh, uh, but no. Um, so she didn't work for you. She, she didn't, didn't work, work for me. me. And, and then when you have a, a rare character for Marvel, yeah, when you have a miscast like that, that creates a vacuum. It, it does, it's and just, it just it did not work well with me. And I'm so disappointed. But I did have low expectations going into this movie because yeah. I did, I heard it wasn't that great. You told me the day before we saw it that your coworkers were raving about I it. I know. You were hyped. I think me and you are on a completely different like viewer watching level. We didn't we didn't love Wonder Woman. No. Although I would say Wonder Wonder, Wonder Woman's better much better than this. <laughs> Well, the thing with Wonder Woman that I didn't like was I didn't like the villain. I was almost certain that it was going to be better than Wonder Woman. Yeah. You, you can't be worse than Wonder Woman, though. Patrick, what did you think of the movie? I, I, th- I think it's Marvel's lowest point. 
Definitely Marvel's worst, in my opinion. Uh, it's one of the worst superhero movies I've seen. <laughs> I feel like it reflects poorly on me that my least favorite Marvel movie is the one with a female lead. And all I can say is, you know, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, I really do feel out of step because last year Ant-Man and the Wasp came out and I thought Evangeline Lilly crushed it. I did too. Yeah, she did good. Yeah, like everyone's so excited because like, hey, there's no male gaze on Captain Marvel. You know, like we're not getting like Michael Bay ass shots and, you know, she's not like strutting around in a thong or anything. But last year, Evangeline Lilly played the Wasp. I mean, she, she allowed herself to get sweaty on camera. I mean, her hair was kind of out of place. She she played it like a real adult human being would in those circumstances. Yeah. And I found her very credible. And for me, like, that was Marvel's kind of breakthrough with their one of their female superhero characters. I thought Evangeline Lilly nailed it. And for various reasons, Brie Larson just does not. This feels like kid stuff. <laughs> Yeah, it does feel like a very kiddo-friendly... I, 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 I had, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, if you're if you're listening to this and you're, like, 15 or under, like, go see it. Like, absolutely. Like, good date movie, like, bring it along another 15-year-old. You'll have a, a fine time. <laughs> and for young girls, I think that's the, squarely the demographic. I mean, this, this movie wants to represent girl power for a young generation, up and coming. And that's great. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't work for me. Uh, and I guess it sounds like it doesn't work for you. Did not work for me. We're just, I mean, we're just two adults. <laughs> um, and I say that as someone who sees every Pixar movie in the theater, loves them, sees uh, How to Train Your Dragon in the theater. Loved it. Like, I don't have that, like, I'm getting too old for this shit feeling when I'm watching a Pixar movie. But I had it watching this. And I'm just, I'm starting to feel like overall, I don't know where you are on this. Overall, I'm a, I'm, I'm a little burnt out on, on superhero movies. They're just, they're all, they're all like blurring together. To they me. are kind of blurring together. And there's going to be another Spider-Man coming up soon. Next month alone, the month of April, we have Shazam. We have a Hellboy remake. And we have Avengers Endgame. I, I like, after Endgame, I'm like, I can't sit down with the anticipation for these anyway. Yeah. It's just out of duty. Yeah. Like, it's... And I don't think... Uh, outside of an R-rated Catwoman movie, there's no comic book announcement that could be made that would get me excited. Yeah. Like, Batman, we've seen the highs, the lows. Spider-Man, we've seen highs and lows. Every character... Multiple times. Every character has just been worn the F out. Yeah. In my opinion. Same story. That's just my opinion. Yeah. We don't get enough Logans. Yeah. We don't get enough Watchmen. We don't get enough, you know, the Dark Knight. Movies that are aimed for adults. Yeah. Comic book movies aimed for adults. I mean, clearly... Glass. I mean, like... The, yeah. the first Blade yeah. with Wesley Snipes. I mean, that's my jam. Like, Black Panther isn't my jam. The first Blade is right up my alley. I like my movies a little grittier. Just a little more, a little more, real. a little more grounded in reality. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, Captain Marvel. It's yeah. I feel like it definitely wasn't grounded in reality. Like it was, you can tell that it was all done on green screen. Like it was pretty it, well, pathetic. On a base level, I expect these movies to be just great eye candy, and this for me was not. We like, I, I mean, we know what good visual effects look like. Avatar. Avatar or Ready Player One. Yeah. This is, I mean, this this doesn't cut it. I mean, like in 20 years, this is going to look real, real bad. Because so much is at stake, Marvel, they're not hiring heavy hitter directors behind the scenes. 
because the directors really don't have a say so in the movie. The I mean, they're just being asked to handle the actors. You're giving up some control for sure on yeah. one of these big movies. But let me just list like some filmmakers who who have demonstrated they would be great to make a superhero movie, and they just they haven't been given the chance. Catherine Bigelow, mm -hmm. the Wachowskis, Antoine Fuqua. John Woo. John Woo is still alive. He hasn't made an American movie in over 15 years. The man is still alive. What are we doing? Put this man to use. Let him make a superhero movie. Uh, I mean, like Spielberg, Michael Bay, they haven't made superhero movies. These guys just trying to get original shit off the ground. They're going to Netflix. Yes. If you want these guys... The problem is, is that Netflix is going to give the director autonomy and right of edit. Marvel won't do that. To get these heavy hitters, mm -hmm. yeah, Marvel would have to play a little a little ball. Um, and they've been fine without them. So why pay the price tag? It's true. Well, with the A Cinema score, with the fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, I mean, everything is just running smooth. It's. it's I think I think the general consensus will be that it's okay that it fits yeah. the storyline is generally, you know brings everything are, together and no one's saying this is the best Marvel movie. Uh, generally, people are okay in it. I um I, I think people tend to I think it's a dog pile. Yeah. Um, before we get into spoilers, uh, just a couple positive things that I'll say. Uh, Sam Jackson, you know, once again a pro coming in. This movie, if it works on any level, it works as a Sam Jack as a Nick Fury origin story. That would have been cool to this do. Is, this is this is the best we're gonna get on that front. I thought the de-aging makeup on him. Yeah, it was good. Was great. I mean, considering he's a major character and just the amount of effects. The fact that he's seventy years old he's now. Seventy years old. Yeah. It's and a, it's they're amazing. portraying him like he's in his thirties, forties. But he looks good. Is yeah. the point. And the effects on him are convincing. There's. I want to just give a shout out to the the Stan Lee cameo. Yeah, that was. Where, He's reading the Mallrat script. Yeah. That was great. Um, you know, as someone, like, my first introduction to Stan Lee was when I saw Mallrats as a kid. I didn't know who he was. So that movie kind of introduced, the, like, the legend, the myth of Stan Lee. R.I.P. Stan Lee. Yeah. And beyond that, I guess the cat is nice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was one of my favorites. The cat. Yeah, the cat. I want a Funko. A cat named, there is a Funko. There is a phone call Absolutely. on the kitty cat. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Of course, you can. Of course, there is. Yeah, a cat named Goose, uh, who's, you know, has some secrets, I guess. So those were the highlights for me. But other than that, it was, I mean, this is, yeah, I would recommend this to a kid. Otherwise, like, adults need not apply. And um, so I guess that's it. And so I guess we'll take a quick break. And when we mm -hmm. come back, we'll get into some spoilers for Captain Marvel. All right, we're back, and we're going to dig into some spoilers. Uh, we're going to talk about just some things that happened towards the end of the film, as well as how this ties into Endgame. So, yeah, if you don't want to be spoiled, you know, come back after you've seen the film. The overall basis of the film, Brie Larson's character, Vars, is what she's called at the beginning. Vers. Vers. Well, it's the end of... Of her name. Carol Danvers. Yeah. Yeah. So it's Vers. She's having flashbacks of... Flashbacks of another life. Of another life. And, you know, um, and she gets sucked into um, the artificial intelligence that is that looks like somebody she never met before. That she thinks she's never met before. And that she admires and, you know, all of that. Is that Annette Benning? Yes. Okay. Who looks pretty <laughs> great. Is she playing Marvell? Is that who Annette yeah, Benning is? Okay. Yeah. Okay. 
She's playing Marvel. Annette Benning is um, not who she says she is. Well, she is, she pretends to be a human, um, but she's an undercover agent for the Cree. We find out this out later. This is like a kind of a big reveal, and then. Brie Larson's character, Carol Danvers, Carol Danvers, she is going through and finding out who she is, and she realizes that, you know, she finds out her name is Carol Danvers, and she goes and sees her best friend, and, you know, all that, and her memory starts coming back to her, and then they come across the plot where the scrolls are not actually the bad guys in this, but the Kree were the bad guys, and the Kree are working with... Ronan uh, from Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. What is the Kree's agenda? They they are going from planet to planet conquering. Um, I guess like kind of working with Thanos or something. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. I think the scrolls are probably, they, they look at them as an enemy because they didn't want to bow down to the Kree. So because of that, they have been deemed for execution and for imprisonment, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the scrolls is played by Ben Mendelsohn. Who stole the movie. I mean, he just embodied the character. He was kind of... You know, got the, the comedic relief. You think he's a villain, but turns out he's not. And he becomes a friend. And he's got that he's vulnerability. Sympathetic. Yeah, he's sympathetic. He's got a family that, that uh, nobody really knows about until the end of the movie um, that they're trying to protect. And that's the, the whole, like emphasis of why he's doing what he's doing at the beginning is to get to his family and yeah he has the most i guess nuanced backstory yeah yeah the only sense i get from brie larson's character is that like she can kick ass in any situation she knows everything yeah and don't fuck with her <laughs> yeah but i, I, but like I other, guess she doesn't give off too many other shades other than that i i you know that's one of the things that she doesn't have any vulnerabilities like, I didn't see, I didn't any. see she's, any vulnerabilities. She's, I didn't see anything that she had that I can relate to. There's, no, I guess, nothing. I mean, people might argue this, but it didn't seem like there was any like direct motivation for her. Well, yeah, I, I don't know what she's really motivated by, other than to just find out who she is. Yeah. Um, What's she fighting for? I, I guess there's to be a hero. <laughs> It didn't seem like there was anything major that she had to overcome. Uh-uh. Most of the other heroes in the Marvel universe, it, there, there's they like had a, personal there's stories. some trials. Yeah, yeah they, it's usually, you know, I mean, the formula is like they lose everything and they have to get it back, and they usually face a villain on their way to getting it back. Yeah, I guess the stakes didn't feel high enough. And even though this movie, like, it spans a galaxy, you know, we're going from different planets, it felt really small scale. Yeah. It felt like, yeah, like it's, I mean, we saw this on a Dolby screen, and it belongs on a TV screen. Yeah. <laughs> and then so she she learns about who she is, and then she decides to, to fight the good fight, and she learns how she got the powers, which was and she was from, hit, with a, hit with a blast. She was hit with a blast from a bomb or something that... Uh, it was one of the core. alien blasts. Yeah. She, she absorbed was, it. She was hit by an energy core. Somehow she absorbed it yeah. instead of being decimated. Exactly. And so, and then Jude Law's character ends up. He's like, "Oh my God, you know, wow, she absorbed it. We're taking her back, et cetera, et cetera." Right. 
Um, you know, he's a bad guy once they show him talking to Ronan. Yes. Pretty much, yeah. Yes. If you've seen Galaxy and you know who Ronan is, it's like, okay, he's a bad guy. <laughs> You're like, oh, crap, okay. I mean, obviously, he's played by Jude Law, so yeah. that kind of cues you in. Might not Jude be Law can play a nice guy. He played Dumbledore. I, I like Jude Law a lot. He's he, he's a good actor. So, a lot yeah. of good actors in this movie. Yeah. They're just not bringing it. I mean, honestly, when Sam Jackson showed up, I'm like... It felt to me like the movie kind of perked up for a minute. Yeah. I'm like, okay, maybe maybe I'm into this. Maybe I like this. I thought the best friend character was kind of, eh, it didn't need to be useless. there. Just useless. Yeah, I mean, the best friend character I felt like was just brought on to portray that it's more diverse. Yeah. And it just didn't bring out, I mean, it's supposed to bring out, you know, her vulnerability, I guess, her softer side where she, her and the BFF, you know, liking them. Um, I thought it honestly. I thought it was like a coded lesbian relationship. That, that's I can how see it, where you get I, that from. I mean, it, <laughs> and that's fine. I mean, whatever. But tell us, be it like it is. Right. I mean, if yeah. that's what it is, fine. But again, like, give me a good action scene during this two hours. <laughs> like, give me all the representation, but maybe one good action scene. Yeah. You know that. Yeah. That's all I'm asking for. Couldn't do that. Yeah. It's like you and, had one job. And, uh, and at the end, you know, um, Carol Danvers saves the day. Of course. Um, it turns out that her plane is called Avengers, which is where the name came from. <laughs> Some, um, like, gasps in the audience. Yeah, I know. It's like, oh. I would, I would say there was, towards the end, there's one good action beat when she's, like, super powered up as Captain Marvel, and she, like, flies through a, a space. Like an aircraft, like detonating it. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That was dope. That was cool. Like that was uh, yeah. with uh, Ronan's aircraft. That was the one moment where I'm yeah. like, all right, now, now we're talking. That was at the end of the movie. What one good moment? Yeah. One good action moment. <laughs> yeah, that was at the end of the movie. Yeah, takes a while to get there. It turns out that Marvel was whole was was protecting uh, the scrolls. And was protecting the families, and that's why the squirrels were trying to infiltrate Earth is to find these coordinates to get to the family on Marvel's secret lab in space. <laughs> I mean, that's. I mean, you you explained it pretty well. I mean, it's still to me like it comes off like convoluted nonsense. Yeah. But so that's, that's, that's that motivation. That's the movie. Yeah. That that's the movie. At the end, so obviously Captain Marvel takes the name of Marvel, and she just calls it Captain Marvel. And at the end, gives Fury the pager that we see in the at last the, Avengers movie at the end of Infinity War. Yeah. Yep. And so, um, one of the bonus scenes was the Avengers around this pager asking, like. They don't know who who Nick Who's Fury that? called, right? Um, and then it, you know, we see her jump behind them, and, and she just shows up, and she just shows up, <laughs> yeah. Why? Why was she in outer space for twenty years? She was helping the scrolls scroll. find a home. Okay, so I guess the scrolls are going to help fight this battle in the end game. You think? Maybe. I think, I guess that's, based on what you're saying, Yeah. it seems like that's what it's setting up. The scrolls are going to be on the Avenger side yeah. to fight against Thanos. And then there's a, there's a final, final scene where uh, Boots the Cat 
um, Goose, Goose the cat. Goose. Goose the cat. Goose. He barfs up a, um, a tesseract. A tesseract, yeah. It turns out that um, Marvell had a tesseract up in her lab, and that's where she got that core from, which is where Marvel, um, Captain Marvel got her powers. From the tesseract. Yeah. And one thing you and I were debating after is, like, which is more powerful, a tesseract? Or the Infinity Stone. Or the, well, the Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah. Which is, yeah, which is what Thanos has. Um, I mean, those are, yeah, those are questions I guess that'll be answered. In a couple weeks' time. Yeah. What, what, what grade would you give this? I would give it a C-. minus. I'm, uh, I'm going to go just a, l a little beneath you. I'm going to do a D plus. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do a D. <laughs> And that's low for Marvel. Oh my god, I'm so disappointed. It's very disappointing. Yeah, and we had low expectations. Yeah. We had low expectations. Again, like all, all I, all I really want from these kinds of movies is just decent action and a coherent plot. I mean, obviously you want a coherent plot, you know, compelling character, but give me a, like one good action scene. H like hi hire a director who can direct an action scene. Uh, they're hiring. Indie film directors are hiring TV directors, and uh, I get that it's working for them. I wish they would, you know, take a risk, <laughs> but don't fix it's what hard, ain't broke. It's, I guess it's, it's hard to take a risk on a, on a giant movie like this. I guess million dollar yeah. movie. It's so. a sh it's a shame, and well, yeah, and if they're getting good reviews, it's like yeah, yeah. if it ain't broke. But it's yeah, again, I'm I'm feeling burnt out on uh, on the whole just the whole subgenre of superhero movies. I just, uh, they don't speak to me anymore. I mean, they spoke to me, I think at a certain time, but I don't, I don't anticipate them really. Like, like I, like I did. Agreed. Uh, but I, I'm looking forward to Endgame and, uh, <laughs> and like wrapping everything and just, up. And just move, yeah. moving the F on, <laughs> just, just moving on. So, okay. Is this a good date movie? Hmm. And I'm not talking about like two 12 year olds. I know. Because two 12 year olds. I probably, well, yeah, I'll probably say it's a good date movie. I mean. What about like two people who've never seen a Marvel movie? And it's no. like, what should, okay. That, that's what I'm talking about. This isn't, no. This isn't accessible to newcomers. If somebody just has never been, you know, seen a Marvel movie and has never been immersed into the universe, seeing this movie will definitely not make you want to go see any of the other ones. <laughs> well, yeah, this movies like this give ammo to people who are like, superhero movies are killing cinema. Like, when you see movies like this, it's hard to argue. Um, but these are the only types of movies that people are showing up for anymore. Yeah. And that's a problem. Yep. That's a big problem. Uh, <laughs> That's Captain Marvel, directed by Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck. You can find more episodes on anchor.fm slash night, as well as iTunes, where you can rate, review, and subscribe. We're on Twitter, at dnmoviepodcast. You can also email us at datenightmoviepodcast at gmail.com. And until next time, I'm Patrick. And I'm Ashley. Thanks for listening.